1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go down there along about uh, verse 13. What you got there, Jeff? First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you but such as common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to endure. But with the temptation will provide a way of escape, also that you be able to endure it. Okay. Let that soak in just a second. Give me a main element of that verse, a big word in there. First Corinthians ten thirteen, temptation. How many of y'all see that word in there? I'm just going to abbreviate it. Temptation. It's a big thought in that verse, isn't it? When you are Tempted. This world's full of temptations. As we're doing announcements and Alan's praying for us, what all are we really talking about other than the context of our lives? Some of it's good news. Chuck has good news. New grandchilds. Grandson, granddaughter. Grandson. Grandson. Do we know his name yet? Dean. Dean? Dean Anders. How about that? Okay. So thank God for him. That's what I think. Do we have tragic, unsettling news? All of this creates for us and a thousand things that are unspoken. All of this creates for us, what is this? It's context of our lives. It's where we are today. We're happy, we're sad, we're hurting, we're hopeful. We're all of these things, and we are honestly all of those things before the throne of God. Thank you for your prayer, brother. Give me another word. Give me another word in that text that's really big. Common. Common. Very common. Calming, but a word from the text. Common, common. Common. Okay, sorry. If I ever, y'all please pray for me to sell my house in Pecos. If I ever get my house sold, uh, I'm buying more hearing aids. Well, see, y'all are laughing, but this is true. These things are expensive. Uh, common. Okay. What's common? No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. 
2,000 years later and the same stuff's going on. You don't think the people in Corinth got context? They got context. They got stuff they're happy about, stuff they're praying for, stuff that's besetting them, stuff that's putting them down, stuff's got them worried, stuff, all this kind of stuff they got going on. Give me the biggest word in that text. Well, I'd say that's number two. Because that's a descriptive word. God. God. That's the biggest text. That's the biggest, that's the biggest thought in that text. That's the biggest thought in Scripture, is it not? What about God? I think, and I haven't done all the detailed work that I want to, 1 Corinthians is just a longer book and I haven't put it through a series of studies that I have, uh, but I think that's the theme of 1 Corinthians. God is faithful. I think if they could get a hold of that fact about God, that'd fix the 17 major problems. I had to write a paper one time, came up with 17 major problems in that church from just one letter. You know what the answer to all of it is? God is faithful. He said that in the first nine verses. We usually skip that to get to the problems. But in the context of life, what are we trying to remember? Given to us by inspiration. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear but when you are tempted, what is God faithful to do? Another huge idea in that text. A way out. That's what God gives. God's faithful with that. Whatever temptation you're facing whatever it is. Who knew moving was so hard? I didn't. My wife did. <laughs> Miss Pat does. Oh, that's just because y'all got it fresh on your mind. Bless my heart. Oh, my goodness. And I couldn't be more excited to be here I'm just being transparent. This is extremely hard. I had no idea how difficult. And I used to move people for a living, and I've moved before, and I understand, and I've had, I know. But all of that is different. We have good things, and you may have other grandkids but there will be different circumstances with it. The people that we, that we know and love that are hurting, that there's nothing we can do. Every one of those situations is different. And any of it at any time is absolutely overwhelming. And in the midst of that, God doesn't blow that off. God doesn't blow off your context. Your neighbor might, I might, if I'm in a hurry or a bad mood, your wife or your husband might, I guarantee you God Almighty does not blow off your context. 
in the middle of your context, brothers and sisters, he is faithful. And he said, there, no, there's a way, there's way through this. Not just to eliminate it, he will give you a way of escape. He didn't say he would eliminate it. He said, I'll give you a way out so that you can what? Stand under. Stand up under. You can stand. You can stand firm and secure in the faithfulness and the person of God who loves you. God who called you into fellowship with his son, chapter 1, verse 9 of 1 Corinthians, is faithful. That's who God is. He is faithful. He has called us to himself through his son. He has called us to have fellowship with him through his son and in his son. And in his son, we find a way out. We find a way that we can stand up under the, under the pressure of our context, under the temptation of our context. I don't care what it is. I don't care. How, I don't, it doesn't matter. It's all common to man. There's nothing that seizes you, no, no temptation that has seized you that in principle hasn't been here forever since the fall. It's the same old thing. It's just different circumstances that come with it. So, what's all that got to do with the Gospel of John? Turn over in your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Because we've said that the gospel of John, John is presenting to us, he is presenting to us God. He is presenting to us Jesus. The son of God. which means he is God in the flesh. He is presenting to us that the Son of God gives life. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and believing that you may have life in his name, in his authority. Why? Because he is the way out that the faithful God has promised. He is the way out. He is the way that we're able to stand up under it. There's no way to overstate that. There's no way in your mind to overstate that. I've heard that before. Hear it again. What is today's date? September the 3rd? Yeah, how many of y'all have lived out September the 3rd, 2023 before? You ain't done this. I don't care how many Lord's Days you've done. I don't care how many September 3rds you've done. You hadn't done this one yet, right? So here we go. What's he offering us? He's offering us his son. Let's look here in verse 22, 23. Jesus, he continues... And says, you are from below and I am from above. That's a different context, isn't it? You are of this world. 
I am not of this world. He came into this world to be sure. But he's not of this world. That's a different deal, isn't it? I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not. That sounds like falling to the temptation of their context. Well, they were. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe I am the one I claim to be. If you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. Is he the I am? Yes, he is. He is God in the flesh. There is, there is a victory over sin found only in him. What's the end? Why is temptation such a big word in that passage a while ago? Because temptation brings about what? When you water it down and it gets a lot of fertilizer and all that, it leads to what? Sin. Sin. That's the point, right? Here's the victory over it. It's found in the identity of this one. Who are you? Good question. Good question. Because the answer of life, the answer of victory over sin is bound up in his identity. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So... Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, John will use that phrase, that's always the cross in John's use. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one. You will know that I am. And that I do nothing on my own, but speak what the Father has taught me. The one who has sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. As he was speaking, it made sense to people that God and God's faithfulness is what they had to look for and rely on, that finding who was at fault and somebody to blame wasn't going to cure anything. They, had, they, they, they figured out this makes sense that God sent us someone to trust, and they put their faith in him. And to the Jews who had believed on him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching you are truly my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now that, that, that statement is so clear and so simple. It is axiomatic in some sense. It is a truth, a single truth that's undeniable. When freedom is at stake, particularly Americans start paying attention. And what's at stake here in regard to freedom? What is the truth, by the way? We better know what it is because we're going to have to believe it. 
If you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples. Then in being my disciple and holding to my teaching, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What is the truth? Pilate's going to say here in about 10 chapters. What is truth? Jesus is the Son of God. That's the truth. That's the truth. What is his teaching? This is his teaching. I am the source of life. I am the Son of God. This is what we have to hold to. It seems like there's so much else. Everything else comes out of this. I've heard the, the truth will set you free. Well, that is sort of an axiom, and yeah, I guess you could apply it to anything, but where does it come from? What is Jesus in the middle of a discourse about? He's in the middle of an argument here with some people. And he's not talking about commandments that Moses gave. And he's not talking about how to organize the church and how to uh, hold worship service among the saints. He ain't talking about any of that. What's he talking about? He's talking about him. He's talking about his identity. That's what he's talking about. In holding to that, What's that got to do with my context? I know it's a, a pitiful illustration, but back to my context. And it, by the way, I'm so dumb, it's taken a good long while for it to soak on me, soak into my pea brain. Good lands, man. What is going on? I drew the conclusion yesterday. Moving's really hard. I've done a terrible job with a good portion of that. I'm sorry. I've tried. That's just my context. What is, what is your context? What are you struggling with? Who is it that you love that you can't help? And by the way, I've got people that I love dearly that I just can't be close to right now, physically. If I don't say it out loud now, I forget it, but Deborah's folks, God willing, are coming in October, so y'all pray for me. I gotta start training right now. <laughs> Get ready. That's so happy. That's the Lord taking care, see that God's faithful? He's giving her a way out. He's reminding her. Jesus says, son of God, so. Her mama coming will make up for her husband uh, being distraught and distracted and all the other things I get. What, what is that? What is it you got to hang on to when you're moving? When your family is hurting, when people you love are not listening to what God is saying, to Jesus calling, when they're, when they're not getting it, when people are just in pain physically, emotionally, or spiritually, and there's just, you can't just fix it. And maybe there's not anything you can do. What is it you gotta remember? Jesus is the Son of God. Now, if he is the Son of God, this has so many implications. 
This is why you can't overstate this. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, there's another implication. If he is the son of God, then he is the satisfaction of God. Then he is the atoning sacrifice. Then he is the high priest. Then he is the intercessor. Then he is the giver of grace and life. He is the source of life. Not Jadon. I am not the source of life. For you are me. And I know none of y'all are mixed up about that. I get mixed up every now and then. Come back and remember this. If he's the son of God, number one, necessarily, maybe if he is the son of God, then what does that make the Bible? Absolutely and totally. The word of God. And the scripture cannot be broken. He's going to say here in just a few weeks. That's it. I don't prove to people that the Bible's the word of God. I prove to people that Jesus is the son of God. As soon as they understand Jesus is the son of God, then inherently the Bible is the word of God. Sometimes it goes the other direction. But my personal experience has been most of the time you come to this first. If he is the son of God, then he is the source of life. If he is the son of God, then what he tells me directs me towards God's purpose. What is God's purpose? Why did he send his son? Why did the word become flesh? To give life. Just tiny little no, to give it and give it abundantly. And the folks he is talking to <clears throat> are missing. They are missing it. They think God's instruction to them, albeit through Moses, but God's instruction to them is all they need, and then they will be the source of life. Jesus said, you're missing the boat, and there's only one to get on. Remember the flood? Yeah. Moses, I mean Noah, was a servant of God and built a house that floated, saved everybody that got on it. Jesus did a very similar thing. So, questions, comments, I said all that very quickly. Thank you, Bill, for, you just got to stick stuff in there. I appreciate that. Yes, sir, Brother Al. No, they don't get it. They don't get it. It's so difficult. It seems like, well, yeah, but no, not well, yeah, but anything. It is, it is him. And what difference does, does his identity make in my context? Well, if he's the son of God, then he's necessarily Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 4. 
Okay, 9 through 10 as well. If he's the son of God, he is necessarily for me, what? My high priest. As soon as I understand that, whatever my context, you know what I am? Father, the throne of grace, here I am. I expect to receive mercy. I expect to find grace to help me in my time of need. No, that's a fact. Go over to y'all looking at me like it's not true. Go over to Hebrews. Y'all wasn't doing that. I just said that. See if you's awake. Martha, that's all. Martha's now awakened. Hebrews 4, 16. What did he say? Somebody find that. Okay, I'll have to back up to 14. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Who is our great high priest that passed through the heavens? Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. You can't sling a dead cat. It doesn't land in the middle of this. This is huge. This, this is it. This is the key to life itself. This is it. How, how, how many ulcers are developed? How many, all the, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know, here's what to do. Come back to this. Review this. Understand this. Look for your answer in this. Because, brothers and sisters, the light that is shining into a dark world says this. Over and over and over. God's not talking about something else. He's talking about the Son of God. This is, this is my way out. This is my way to stand up. When I know he's the Son of God, what avenue did that just open me? If he's the Son of God, then he is my high priest. If he is my high priest, then what do I have full access to? The throne of grace. Immediately, regardless of my problem, whether Nancy caused it, my wife caused it, or I caused it, no matter who caused my problem or my context, no matter what's going on with it, immediately when I've got access to the throne of grace and mercy, would that change anything? That's game changer. That changed everything. That'll change everything. Because as I'm going along in life, the biggest word in life gets to be my temptation. Whether it's a good thing and I'm tempted through the success or it's a difficult thing and I'm tempted through the suffering and the trial. Whatever the temptation. Temptations don't just come with hard things. Amen? The devil's sneaky. He is sneaky. Yes, sir. Uh, kind of go back to 
Yes, sir. That's always a good practice. Go back to what Al's saying. No, I'm not kidding. That's true. Because a good friend of mine reminded me this week, since you brought it up, brother, somebody go to Ephesians. You got a book with you? Go to Ephesians 6.12. Now, were these Jews that Jesus is talking to, were they being tempted? They had a specific, peculiar temptation that never went to anybody else ever, right? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We're not Jews living in the first century, uh, but the temptation they're facing, Don's right, it's common to man, so we're facing the same kind. What did he say, 612? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's exactly, Don, what you just said, wasn't it? We need a physical solution. You don't even have a physical problem. That's just the context of our lives. My problem is temptation and sin. My problem is my own desires. Now, that's in the context of a physical world, and God doesn't blow that off, and he doesn't ignore it. He just encourages us to understand there is, a, there is a realm and there is a world that is unseen and that is really, that is really the battle we're in. It's the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's not stuff you can put under a microscope. Devil's at work and he uses this world to do it. Our own, our own desires, uh-oh, our own desires are what drag us away and entice us. Uh-oh. This is what he's given me to hang on to. The identity of Jesus. And just as John stated, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He, the same one, was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness Shining into the darkness, this truth that physical solutions 
Don't, don't, don't mount up to spiritual victories. So, the identity of Jesus. We're looking for it. As we're reading John's gospel, we're looking for it. The implications of his identity. He is to, brothers and sisters, he is to the son of God. We've just heard that phrase since we were wee ones and, and we say it so quickly. Sometimes it doesn't resonate with us. Jesus is the son of God. Therefore, my context and my temptation, even, yea, and especially my sin, will not be the end of me. Mm-mm. 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 Because where am I standing? I'm standing in the bedrock deity of Jesus. I'm not standing in my emotions. I know I have them. Sometimes they're very irritating. Ask my wife. I'm sorry. But I'm not standing in my emotions. I'm not standing in my intellect. I'm not standing in my accomplishments. Sure not standing in my failures. Nobody could stand in those. I'm standing in the bedrock deity of Jesus. Hasn't God done something to unite us with him? Hasn't he offered us something, something so powerful, so life-giving, This world can never comprehend it. This world has no chance to overcome it. This world cannot take credit for it. Mm -mm. This is God's deal. Peace. I love you guys. We'll take up there next time.